2: When you start to read up about WWE in 2014, these are the stories that you will find. CM Punk has left WWE, CM Punk is not going back to WWE, and CM Punk got fired by WWE on his wedding day in 2014. And I'm not saying there wasn't other stuff going on, but my word, CM Punk is just the chatter of the year. That also leads you into the rhetoric that if Punk hadn't left WWE, maybe, just maybe, Daniel Bryan would have never made main-evented WrestleMania 30. Now, I personally find that hard, to believe because he's just so over it is nuts but should we really have found a position in one of these main events for cm punk the answer is yes but this did all go down and a couple of months afterwards in march as we were building to the granddaddy of them all wwe came up with a segment where mr brian would occupy raw and i tell you It is one of the best in recent memory. So hello, my name is Simon from culture? Thank you for joining me as always. We are indeed about to take the retro finger of power and give the good bits an up and the bad bits a down for the night when Daniel Bryan occupied Raw. Hulk Hogan is out to start Raw and I swear, you actually either do die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain... Batman was right the reason he is here is because it is
0: 2014
2: which is when the WWE Network launched So of course he's been at home watching the network because he is somewhat of a legend Although anything that comes out of his mouth is absolutely gibberish because over the years Hogan has also told us that he auditioned to be the bass player in Metallica He didn't and that once he wrestled 400 days in a year <laughs> I will let you figure that one out for yourself he also wants us to let us know that his favorite thing to do is to tune into Wrestlemania 3 and watch himself slam Andre the Giant and apparently when this does happen his heart starts pounding faster and faster and because I'm an 11 year old boy that made me laugh his major takeaway though is that because of all of this and because he's going to be the host of Wrestlemania he thinks that we should do an Andre the Giant memorial battle royal there was no battle roll here, Hulk. You did not compete with Andre the Giant in an over-the-top battle roll. Now, apparently, again, given the stuff he's saying, I think he thinks he did throw the giant over the top, but this is the justification for that match which is probably why in around about 12 months' time, it wasn't going to mean anything anyway. Soon, John Cena is out too, and he says how great Hulkamania is, and I bet he wouldn't utter those words now, and he tells the biggest lie ever, because John says, you know what, WrestleMania is just around the corner, I don't have a match, so I am officially going to enter this battle roar. And even back then, eight years ago, I was like... John Cena ain't going to be in no battle role at WrestleMania, I mean, can you imagine? Clearly Bray Wyatt was on the up and up because he then interrupts here, and seriously, how did WWE flub this up? The Wyatt family hadn't been on the main roster for that long in 2014, but even then, the way the fans react to him, the atmosphere, the aura that they create, this should have been something that went on for years, and here we are in 2022 and none of them even work for the company anymore. Amazingly, Bray calls them both liars. I'm like, you are absolutely correct before he says he's going to kill John Cena with fear. And as always, Cena just completely kills this gimmick because he no-sells it, removes himself from the Battle Royal like three minutes later and challenges Bray for a match at WrestleMania. Given that all of this ends with Cena taking on Eric Rowan, who he beats in seconds with the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, the surprise roll-up, I have decided to give it a down. Ray White is so upset by this. He sends Rowan and Luke Harper to try and get Cena. But that magical force field appears around the ring. And they're not able to get in there. And this is when John Cena and Hulk Hogan have a hearty handshake. Good for them. But more importantly than all of that. Because we have mentioned Luke Harper, Brody Lee or John Huber. Never forget that he's the absolute best. We're then very much in our time because Michael Cole's are like, hey, why don't you download the WWE app and you can decide the stipulation for Christian versus Sheamus later on. <laughs> and then out comes Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. Now you're watching The Time, you will remember these. It's just two people on a massive power trip continually telling us while Daniel Bryan sucks. Like when I go home to my parents, eventually you get a bit sick of it. They even say that Brian should be fired given that he attacked the game last week, but they're not gonna do that because they understand his worth and that's what's best for business. But this would have mean that The Rock could have walked down the aisle, got, I don't know, a knife and just stabbed everyone. And you would have gone, well look, <laughs> He sells a lot of tickets, just don't worry about it. But they then change tack instantly though and say, well, actually, we are going to fire you unless you apologize. I'm like, man, this is some kind of sociopath behavior. You need to pick a path and stick to it. I mean, there's every chance there was someone actually behind the curtain with a gun to their back going, look, I'm going to make you continually change your minds. You say what I tell you or else. And if that did happen, they'll have to forgive me. Otherwise, all of these segments were just way too long. The New Age Outlaws kind of end this segment because they come out and do 50 bumps all around because obviously they all used to be friends. And they're joining commentary because they want to see the brand new tag team champions, the Usos, taking on the team of Curtis Axel and Ryback. Have you ever wanted to see WWE visually giving up on two people, here it was. Ryback also gets to cut an inset promo here and he actually goes At WrestleMania, Ryback puts his name in for the Royal Rumble. And after eliminating 29 other superstars, Ryback will be the best guy ever. I mean, what the hell are you on? So yes, I think by this point, WWE were just done with Mr. Feed Me More and Curtis, but we don't worry about them, we move them to one side, because this is all about the Usos. I mean, it is a bit weird seeing them as white meat baby faces, because these days, they're so good as heels, but whether they're good guys or bad guys, they're just such good workers. Like obviously they're incredible wrestlers now, but even back in 2014, they just knew what they were doing. So they are flying around the place before Jimmy hits the big splash on Curtis Axel to get the win. But as he is soaring, obviously he sees the new age outlaws on commentary and he gives them a crotch drop, which means out of context, as he was about to win the match, he was like, suck it. Whatever gets you through the day. Corporate Kane is then in the back and I will let you into a little secret I still own a world's greatest director of operations mug. I'm not even joking. So this was such a strange direction for the character, but I did get an odd twist out of it. And he is talking to the shield here. And never forget the WWE put this group together so they could lead the business into past new. You get a round of applause for that because you really did a good job. For some reason Kane is mad that they keep losing to the Wyatt and that they're causing a fuss backstage but he's not gonna do anything because he sees their worth. And I didn't realize this back in 2014. I was like, wait a minute, this is the exact same story as Daniel Bryan. He then puts him against the Rose brothers because why the hell not? And Seth Rollins then gets in his face and is all like, you're just mad because you keep losing to Mr. Bryan. And what is the deal with Seth's voice? I kid you not, it is utterly different to how it is now. It is so weird to see Seth, Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose all together now, Although the best bit is at the end, Roman goes right up to Kane's ear and just goes, you better believe in the shield, Kane. And I think he made it to come off as aggressive, but it actually comes across like he's trying to come onto him. You have no idea how much I was laughing because again, I'm a child. And next up is Big E versus Jack Swagger. I mean, how wild is this? This was also during the time that Swagger was teamed up with Zeb, Coulter, and Cesaro and walk around going, we the people. Although because the Swiss Superman was doing this, it was around about here when we started going, oh my gosh, you can put Cesaro in any tag team and he makes it work. We soon found out that, of course, WWE had only put them together so they could start teasing them up. So this happens before the match and it happens after the match. And, of course, Big E wins here when he uses the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment. So that is two on one show. No wonder we still doing it today. This is more of an angle though, because like I say afterwards, Cesaro and Swagger are just raging at each other for some reason to the point they do a really aggressive handshake. And when Cesaro is done, he goes, and he holsters his hand like he thought it was a gun. I have absolutely no idea what was going on with this. Kind of felt like I'd taken some drugs, but given who was involved, I'm giving it.
0: For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
1: Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be. You then get the longest Undertaker entrance I've ever seen, I ain't kidding. I went
2: and did my washing, I went and got my groceries for the week, I had a bit of a nap when he came back to the TV, he was only just making it to the ring. This is still an absolutely fascinating segment though, because it is literally there to try and convince you that Brock Lesnar would be able to defeat The Undertaker at WrestleMania 30. And obviously, when we say it now, we all understand the deal, but you have to realize, back in 2014, nobody, and I mean nobody, thought Lesnar was going to win. This isn't the Brock that we know in 2022 storms in and go, oh, I'm going to win everything. This was a dude that was basically still getting punished. He'd He lost to John Cena, he lost to Triple H. Nobody was allowed to go to UFC and get away with it. And it was this WrestleMania 30 match that would turn him into the final boss. So this really is quite the trip. This is actually really good, especially because Paul Heyman interrupts The Undertaker here and tells him, and look how poignant is this, You ain't really getting this, pal. This is Brock Lesnar we're talking about. If he wants to beat you, he's just going to take it. So you keep going on about fear, well, maybe you should fear him. And as for what the Phenom says in response, well, I will just repeat it for you. Because the fear of death is far
1: greater than death itself. But The fear of the unknown is the greatest fear of all. So you tell your client if he turns up at WrestleMania.
2: I mean, what is he on? Because how would the undertaker know this? He's never died, so he doesn't have first-hand experiences. This is me just being a massive dick. Very, very well put together, this. And actually, well, we should have seen what was coming. You did not get proof about how silly WWE can be at times because it is the Shield versus the Rhodes Brothers or Cody Rhodes and Goldust. And anybody in their right mind would look at these people and think we probably have some super duper stars here. And yet out of the five of them, because of course we have Dean Ambrose at ringside, only two are still in the company. What a mistake. This is just so well worked though, and every single person in it is just oozing, oh wait a minute, I'm a really good wrestler. But moreover than that, Cody Rhodes has improved massively. Like again, he is so good here, but today, fuck me, that man's a legend. And of course, halfway through, the fans start going CM Punk, because he only had left a couple of months ago, as we've talked about, and the finish to this rocks. Because Cody goes for the disaster kick, Seth Rollins catches him in midair, Buckle bombs him, hit the curb stop, and gets the one, two, three. Give him the round of applause and give him it up. The Bella Twins versus AJ Lee, and there's no one meaner than Tamina is next. And well, you know how this went because we have not had a revolution yet. So as they used to do, WWE would just find as many women as possible and put them into one match. It's also why you get Natalia at ringside doing commentary because she is going to face Nikki Bella for the Divas title. Not on Raw. Not on SmackDown, not on a pay-per-view, but on flubbin' main event. The fans know this too, so they go eerily quiet, and after Bree Bella has taken out to mean a nobody mean on the outside and gone, ah, and that's how she screams, that kind of distracts AJ Lee, who gets hit by the rack attack, and she loses. You then get this brief stare-down between Natalia and Nikki, but nobody sells this like it should be a big deal. Thank goodness we did change all of this. And look, everybody involved is talented. They were just given nothing down. As ever though, it does seem like WWE used this as a buffer so the fans could have a little bit of a break before they really do give you one of the best segments, as I've already said, in recent wrestling memory. Because seriously, just go back and watch this and try and comprehend that anybody behind the curtain couldn't understand that Daniel Bryan was our guy. As soon as his music hits the point he's in the ring with a microphone, everybody is just going crazy for him. I mean, I think they literally love him. He also makes a great point that Triple H can't moan because he's part businessman, part wrestler, and every time he steps into the wrestling side, he's gonna have to accept the consequences. So there's no way that Daniel Bryan is going to apologize and instead, He's going to occupy Raw. He even talks about the fact that, well, loads of wrestlers have said this, but I'm not kidding. So a bunch of people come out in Daniel Bryan t-shirts. We cut to the commercial. And when we come back, honestly, not only is the entire ringside area surrounded, but the fans have decided, well, we're going to stand up as well. And the visual is absolutely ace. This leads to Triple H and Stephanie McMahon coming out. And they're absolutely livid, but they can't do nothing. They send some security guards to the ring. That's like... There's only two of us. What do you want us to do? And they even try to continue the show, but Damien Sandow comes out for his match, just goes, nah, bruh, I don't want none of this. It's so well put together, apart from when Stephanie starts screaming. And honestly, I thought about ripping my ears off. And of course, the outcome of this is the game cannot take it. He not only agrees to take on Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania, but if somehow Bryan can beat him, he will be added to the main event. And go and watch this segment and just go and look at the faces of the fans as soon as they hear this they are overjoyed so this really is very very well done it's very well put together it also makes brian feel like the biggest superstar on the planet and while it was so hard to get here i will never know but you know what better late than never but better never late Up. jamie and christian then have to have a street fight because we're a bunch of assholes and that's what we had voted for on the app. It's a Memphis version, just because this episode of Raw was in Memphis and because of this, it meant there was a bunch of instruments everywhere because of Elvis, well, the finish is actually quite good. Christian picks up a drum, he's like, I don't know, I'm gonna smash this into Sheamus's face when Sheamus Bro kicks him through the drum and gets the one, two, three. Both these guys, even today, are vastly underrated. Also, back in 2014, obviously, Sheamus had his old music. You know what I'm talking about. It's a shameful hair, lobster head. And apparently, the only reason this doesn't come back is because Vince McMahon doesn't like it. I mean, you've got to be kidding me, but still. And do you know who pops in next? Brad Maddox. Do you remember that guy? The last time we saw him, I think he got lost in a cave or something. He is trying to calm down Randy Orton and Batista who are absolutely beside themselves that Daniel Bryan is now in their WrestleMania match. But I'll level with you, this is basically just one big advert for the main event on Raw. For that though, we get this Rusev and Lana segment where they just talk in Russian and once again you'll watch this and go, we didn't capitalize on this. And at one point, make them the champions does not make any sense. And you get Bray Wyatt kind of talking to you with his head looking up at the ceiling. going, John Cena, I'm going to kill you. What a flubbed up, dude. It does all lead to this main event, which is Batista teaming with Randy Orton, which makes absolutely no sense storyline, taking on Daniel Bryan in the Big Show. I was like, Dan, what are you doing? Don't team up with the big show. There is a huge percentage chance at some point in the match he's going to turn on you. This is fun enough though, especially for the last thing on Raw. Mostly because once again, all the fans like, oh my gosh, Daniel Bryan's wrestling. And Daniel Bryan uses this to make his great wrestling even greater. I do not remember this match either though. Because he just wins. Seriously. Randy Orton's about to finish him off, but makes the brutal mistake of pointing at the WrestleMania sign, which is why you never do that. And after Bryan has got out of the way of an RKO, he hits him with a running knee, and he pins the WWE champion. This is eight years ago, and listen how surprised I sound. It also means that this episode of Raw ends, and you feel happy because your guy got a victory. So I am going to give it an up, but I'm also going to stare down this lens and say, WWE, just do stuff like this. Which brings us to the end of this very special episode of Monday Night Raw. And I tell you the major problem with it, it's too long. Three hours is too long. Now, it was too long then. I suppose it was a little bit more novel in 2014. Because what, we'd only been doing it three years. And I long for the day it goes back to 120 minutes. But money speaks. And that's never going to happen. But because of Daniel Bryan alone, I am giving it it up.